All right, let's get our uh, passport ready. Let's get all the bits and pieces, suitcase packed, because our travel guide, Sally Lucas, has just entered the conversation. We're talking travel. Sally, up into the north, up into the Orient today, I believe. Yes, seeing as it's opened up for us. Of course, we have mentioned this previously that um, next month, which is only tomorrow, um, Japan is opening up. So from about, I think it's the 11th of October, with no restrictions, which is great. And also Excellent. Canada now, too. So we are gradually getting back to some sort of normalcy, <laughs> little by little, bit by bit. <laughs> piece by piece. Piece by piece. But, yes, I thought we'd talk about Japan. Um, there's an interesting article in the Sydney Morning Herald this week, actually, um, just mentioning that it's a wild ride for Australian dollars. The greenback is soaring in America, so... To go, for example, to Disneyland and such now is going to cost you a lot more than, say, going to Tokyo Disneyland. Just as an example, we are doing very, very well against the yen at the moment mm. um, because the Japanese currency has dropped a good 20% against the US dollar. And, of course, we have as well. So for us now, Japan is looking very attractive. Not only is it open for us, but we're going to get more bang for our buck. So that's a good thing. So instead of going to Disneyland in America, go to Disneyland in Tokyo. Less flying time. Time zone's very similar. And as far as skiing is concerned, well, it's just renowned for some of the best powder skiing in the world for all the ski enthusiasts out there. And also up in, if you go up to uh, Hokkaido, which is to the north, and fly into Sapporo, in their winter months, I think it's around February, uh, they have the ice village set up. This whole village is totally made out of ice, which is was just near one of the ski resorts, which is stunning if you're ever there at that time of year. But like even winter, even though it's that far north of the equator still, it doesn't get the extremes in Tokyo and in those other areas, and I'm not talking about the ski areas now, but you mightn't still get much below 10 degrees C during the day. So it's not going to be freezing cold even in winter, though of course everyone wants to go there when the cherry blossoms are out, which only for, lasts for a couple of weeks if you're lucky to fluke it, because sometimes if, depending on what sort of winter they've had, whether they're going to be early or late, so you've got to say it can be anywhere from late March or into April. But autumn's beautiful as well, because all those gorgeous you know, russets and golds, you know, it's just a beautiful time of the year around that September, October. But summers even aren't excessively hot either, so you really, you, you can sort of go there at any season, depending on your preference of climate and how you'd like to travel and what climate it is in. Then you've got beautiful islands. Like People don't realise how many islands there are around Japan. And, for example, even just to go to Okinawa, it's two hours, 40 minutes flight from Tokyo, and people don't realise that an island is that far from mm. Tokyo. And it's the island that you hear about where people live just about everyone to the age of at least 100. It's not bad. It's, you let's know, be real. One of the most, yeah, people with the most longevity in the world, and their diet, of course, they work. They mm. work all their life. They, for some unknown reason, they can't, but they basically work. So they keep going, and they have this very healthy diet, of course, which is mainly veggie based, soy based fish, and they they live a very long life. Getting around Japan, obviously you can do a tour, but they have the most wonderful rail system in the world, of course, with these Shinkansen and and the fast bullet trains, etc. So you can get a rail pass and get around quite nicely. And depending on what region of Japan you want to visit, there's a various range of rail passes for you to go. So many different attractions, you know, whether you want to go to Hiroshima, whether you want to go to Kyoto, which is a beautiful city, or Nara, where you go into a a natural park there and you can hand feed deer. Um, Around Okinawa, the, the snorkeling and the swimming is stunning. Like some of these outer islands, people don't think of Japan as having that capacity. But you've got to remember it's surrounded by water, like we are. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot you can do there. And I said Nagasaki is interesting, Kagoshima, of course, Mount Fuji, which is not 
far short of 4,000 metres, which has been volcanic in its day, which is an incredible thing to do. You can do cycling tours, walking tours. You can go to what they call onsen towns because it's full of hot, it's very volcanic, so you've got hot springs everywhere. But you've got to remember there's protocol when you go to these onsens, which means you've got to wash before you go in. You can't have tattoos. It's considered an insult. Um, so you're tattooed, per- and it's sans clothes, so you can't be shy. And right, okay. So they're natural, so you've got to be someone who is quite happy with being natural. Someone that doesn't mind having the blinds birthday, open. Yeah, birthday suits only. <laughs> um, you're not allowed to put your head underwater. You've got to be considerate of others, keep noise to a minimum. But they say the healing waters refresh your mind, body and soul. Um, but yes, the tattoos are perceived as a sign of membership to an organised crime syndicate to them such as the Yakuza, which is why they don't... Unless you've got a really tiny tattoo that's small enough to be covered with a bit of adhesive mm-hmm. or something like that. But they're wonderful. These Jap- Japanese hot spring towns are all around and it's a wonderful thing to take advantage of as well. So it's it's a very diversified country. You can do wonderful food tours. The food's fantastic. You can go to the bar where... Um, what was it... Um, Bill Murray, Lost in Translation, I love that movie. You can go to the karaoke bar, or there's plenty of karaoke bars you can go <laughs> to anyway. But, yes, look, it's it's good for shopping. Um, yeah, look, just a great destination. And it's only just under 10 hours flying time, so it's not like it's a really long flight. Plenty to see and do. Uh, so maybe you like to put it on your bucket list and you're getting, as I said, more bang for your buck. And even if it's simply the Disneyland versus Disney there, um, 10 beats 14 and a half in terms of flying time, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it, it really has a, a very diversified country and some friends of ours went just before COVID and it was never on their bucket list, but they picked up a really good air for well, Let's go to Japan. Well, they were wrapped, absolutely mm. wrapped. They couldn't get over the, the friendliness of the people. You know, they stayed at some of the traditional Ryokan inns and it was just wonderful and blown away. Just, just absolutely loved it. So if it hasn't been on your bucket list, maybe you should add it. Sally, we're, we're moving from Japan. We're still in the uh, in the Orient today. We're looking at Singapore now. Exactly, right on the equator. So you only have to pack your summer clothes year-round. Make, uh, that makes styling a little bit easy, doesn't it? It does. It <laughs> makes it very easy. And I think the reason I'd like to talk about Singapore today is when we first, as travellers in Australia, started going there, it was the old days of jet-about holidays and Viva holidays, and they had these introductory little five-night tasters that mm. got you in really cheaply into Singapore. Then that all sort of seemed to dry up, and then people would only stop there for a night or two if they were going on their way to London. It was just like a stopover rather than a destination. But Singapore has so much to offer, not just for adults, for kids as well. It's a great destination to go to. It's a couple of hours closer than Japan. It's totally So what are we, seven or eight hours now? A bit, yeah, a bit under eight. Mm. So, and as I said, there's so much to do, even for adults, but you've got the night zoo, you've got breakfast with the orangutans at the zoo, you've got the Jurong Bird Park, you've got the most wonderful, absolutely sumptuous botanical gardens with all the most wonderful tropical flowers, etc. in it. You've got these wonderful houses, the black and white houses, they just call that, and they're like a, a bit like a Californian bungalow or a bit British as well in some respects. And they were built in the late 1800s up till 1930, till just before the war. And you can do a tour of these wonder. They're just gorgeous houses. You can hire a bicycle and ride around. You can go across by cable car to Sentosa Island. The kids love that. Water parks, Universal Studios. There's so much to see down there. 
down on the waterfront. Let's Clark, get the kids. That's one for the rest of oh, us. Oh, yeah, Clark Key, <laughs> where all the restaurants are down around there. I mean, obviously shopping and the fantastic food. I mean, Singapore, again, is a foodie's delight and some of the night markets and everything you can do are just absolutely fantastic. Um, you can even, you know, if you want to go up to Changi, you know, there's just a plethora mm. of things to do there. So I think think of it more as a destination these days. But Now, there's one thing. You, I, I know you're getting onto this now, but uh, I've seen this thing. I know this doesn't translate world to listening but I'm, no, I'm pointing at that picture there i've seen videos of this and this thing looks amazing this is changi airport right mm. now there was an article in the financial review life and leisure um last week i think it was and one of the writers was there you know doing an article on what they've done there and apparently this was all done back in 2019 but because we've gone through covid no one has really experienced what Changi Airport is like it used to be considered the best airport in the world before all this happened, but they've now spent about 1.7 million trans or billion sorry billion transforming transforming an area of the airport into a um, I don't know what you'd call it a relaxation retail and dining complex and you've got this vortex which is this fountain which goes from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. daily which is all this water is just coming down into this pool beneath it's this big domed building with all the lights streaming through and they say to passengers stand near it so you can refresh yourself when you're in transit and get a bit of water and some moisture onto your skin but they're saying that the people in Singapore who live there are actually coming out there for weekends to stay there with the kids because they're so they've put so much into this airport. It's not just an airport anymore. It's like a satellite city. How funny is that? Like we, yeah, that'd be just like saying, look, we live in Sydney. We'll just go and go pack up the kids for a couple of days and go to mascot. Do you remember Kath and Kim? Do you remember one of the articles there when no. they went to the airport and missed their flight or something, so they stayed at the airport all weekend? Oh, God, I, that, that, that show cracked me up. But yet, the, but, but in real just, life, this is something you could, oh. obviously, people, folks are doing up in Singapore, up in Changi. And they've got a new mega terminal called Terminal 5, which is due to be completed by the mid-2030s, and that's bigger than all the four current terminals combined. Oh, gee. I mean, where do they get the space from? <laughs> it's a very small island. Where but, do you get the travellers from? I mean, clearly they're coming. Well, they are. They are coming. And the Crown Plaza is at Changi Airport, and you can have a spa room there overlooking the tarmac. And if you're a, a, an airline nut that likes watching the planes coming and going, and there's plenty of people like that around. I can see that being a, oh, that can, that novel, but I, I can see that being a, a bit of a winner. Yeah. So Singapore is always morphing, evolving. They're always you know, tarting something up, making it bigger, making it better. But it's a very safe destination. It's lush. It's green. It's got great food, good things you can do. You can even catch a ferry and go to Bintan Island, which is the most northern of the Indonesian islands. And there's some lovely resorts down there. It's only a 45-minute ferry ride. And you're in Indonesia. So there you go. Or you can go across up into Malaysia, across the border up into the Malaysian area. So think of it now, not just as a stopover, but as a destination. And just stay at the airport. We'll just stay at the airport for a couple of nights. <laughs> yeah, that'll do the trick. All right, uh, some hot deals all over the place. So you've basically just filled the joint full of paperwork have, now. So yeah. let, let's, have, let's have at it. Okay, so we were talking Japan. So there's some wonderful packages that have been put together already with the prospect of everything opening up. So there's a 16-day inspiring Japan holiday with return air included. Now, it's, it was typically worth over $11,000 and now it's only around five. So there's some great savings to be had and that's including your airfare and a 16-day itinerary 
taking all around Japan, including um, you know, renowned sacred shrines, sites, temples, bullet train, etc. They are so, very keen to have uh, the numbers fill up again, aren't they? Aren't they? Mm. Very much so. And there's a, even a 23-day, which is really taking uh, also to the other islands, some of the other islands as well, in Hokkaido, to Honshu, Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, etc., and that was typically over $15,000, and now it's under seven and a half. Mm. I mean, there's some incredible deals out here for Japan. I'm seeing a ton of 50% off signs and stickers, that's for oh, sure. <laughs> and then also, with the advent of this, Club Med has now come out and announced their ski packages where you can save up to 30%, going up to that wonderful island we mentioned of Hokkaido, where you've also got the Ice Village if you happen to be there. So they've got some all-inclusive packages there with up to 30% off at about three of their um, three or four of their ski resorts in Japan. So keep that in mind. Um, Colette, who does some wonderful tours worldwide, have got up to 15% off all their tours worldwide to any of their destinations. Italy, Hawaii, Canadian Rockies, you may Portugal Island, etc, etc, etc. As long as you book by 21 October. So keep that in mind. Um, there's also a lovely little short cruise if you haven't got the time to do the long, like Amsterdam to Budapest, etc. But this is a very interesting area um, in Germany and Switzerland. It's an eight-day cruise just from Frankfurt to Basel and it goes from April to September next year and it really is taking in all the areas where you've got those charming castles and vineyards of the Rhine and the Moselle rivers and I just think it'd be a lovely little itinerary to do if you don't have time to do the the longer itinerary so you're going to places like Bernkastel, Koblenz, Rudesheim, uh, Freiburg, just Strasbourg, just lovely lovely and Basel itself is a lovely town anyway and you can extend if you want you have the option to extend further into Switzerland or in to the castles of the Moselle Valley. Australia, let's not forget Aussie Home here as well. There's some wonderful itineraries here. West Coast Adventure, where you can save up to $1,400 per couple. Now, this is an 18-day itinerary from Perth that goes all the way up the coast. So you're going to the Pinnacles, Kalbari, Monkey Mire, Exmouth, Port Hedland, Broome, Geeky Gorge. You're going all the way up through that lovely Pilbara area and um, you're going finishing up in Darwin. So well, that is a, a huge chunk of the country, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. That's a huge chunk. They've got a shorter one as well, just a 14-day. Now, these have all got savings of up to $1,400 per couple, um, just going as far as Monkey Mire, but it's including Kalgoorlie, Wave Rock, Esperance, Albany, and all down the south. Mm. So that's fantastic as well. That's just a few. And these also the early birds sail with Hurtigrut and that wonderful coastal voyage that I've done with Norway. You, I cannot speak highly enough about it. Just had a friend come back, and she just was in awe of what you see. The, the, the scenery is just so beautiful. You'll never see so many fjords and rivers and it's just just stunning. So they've got an early bird special at the moment on where you can have either up to $1,200 off per cabin or an onboard credit of 300 per person on board. And this is to celebrate their 130th anniversary and it's valid until the 31st of October. So there you go. There's lots out there. Well, we've covered a lot of the world there, and, and even a couple of names that uh, certainly blast from the past haven't heard for a while, the destination of Monkey Mire yeah. and Club Med. Yeah, Club Med. <laughs> uh, my Club Med I went to first was in Tahiti. It's not there anymore, but yeah. I was at, on Morea. Absolutely. Oh, what a stunning island Morea is mm. in Tahiti. Beautiful. And then Lindemann Island was once Club Med. Oh, there you go. And, of course, it hasn't ever reopened. What a shame, that island sitting there with... Nothing. I believe someone has just bought it. Now, I'm not sure whether it's the guy, um, you know, from Atlassian that's buying up everything. <laughs> um, he, I don't know, because someone just recently bought Dunk 
Lizard has been bought, and I think Linderman is about to be done, which which is a great thing. I'm hoping it's it going the next to be redeveloped. One. Yeah. yeah, it'd be really yeah. great because a lot of those islands, a lot of folks had a lot of fun there. Oh yeah, and they're stunning. Mm. Salig, as always, thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you uh, for another episode of Talking Travel next Friday morning. Afternoon. You know Definitely what I mean. the afternoon. I know what you mean. It's been a long week, Mark. <laughs> hey, look, well, we had somebody ring Dennis uh, from uh, from Western Australia. Yeah, it's still morning there, right? From Kalbari. It's still morning there. Yeah, it is. All right, thanks, Sally. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>